What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Here to recap the dub that was Saturday night in normal that Noah and I were thankfully able to attend. The weather was not bad at all. There was some snow, but of course, able to attend. And we saw the Dogs, dogs get their revenge over the Redbirds from last season and get their first true road win. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, it, it was a fun one again. We talked about how left a bad taste in our mouth from last year. That that loss honestly did us in through the conference at the latter part of the season. Mattered a lot. Thankfully, we still were able to finish third, but we know we could have finished even higher. We can honestly blame that game for it. But this was a game led by our guards, you know, when we thought we were going to have an advantage at big. We'll talk about this game, but it was led by not only the player of the year, but someone you've been preaching that he was he was bound to have a game that he had just a couple of years ago and that we got it. You called it. What's going on? Yeah, and it's 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 a great win. I mean, get, go on the road, and this is what we were waiting for. We were waiting for this team to really solidify themselves and start winning some true road games. And obviously, they they did that with uh, in front of a pretty good crowd. I think it was just under five thousand, and they went on the road and they did it. I mean, like you said, there's led by the player of the year and your pick for dog of the game, Trent Brown. I mean, big time shots he was making he was just letting it fly um big time in front of uh his former teammate Marcus Damask and Luke Goody and uh Coleman Hawkins came with him from Illinois there were people did say Lance Jones was there as well but we did not see him with our own eyes we did see the other three and I told Marcus I said I'm gonna need you at every game if Trent Brown's gonna shoot like this so he laughed at it and said yeah he was on fire that night. So just a big time. We knew this. I, I felt this coming for Trent because he, he had a couple games where obviously last game went one for seven, but him just being this healthy and the way he was shooting with confidence, I knew this was coming and it came on a perfect night. The value for Trent is at an all time high, honestly, no matter if he's shooting bad or not, the attempts are there. We talked about how people are leaving him out to dry on some shot attempts and we know what he brings on defense. We know he brings in leadership. It's so great knowing what Trent is at his peak performance in his final year when he's healthy and when he's the ultimate captain, him and X, and they dominated this game. You mentioned Marcus Damask and other Illini players were in attendance. We heard rumblings throughout, and, yes, we were able to walk over after the game and talk to Marcus. It did, did seem like he was proud to uh, or proud to see Trent do his thing, and it's so awesome. We, t- we told him how awesome it was, what him and Lance are doing. And then, of course, seeing Trent do that on the same night was uh, was so special. And we know the part one of Marcus and Lance happened. We'll dive into that game and some other things about that here shortly. But, yeah, Marcus Mass, good luck charm, going just 20 minutes away from Champaign to normal to watch the dogs. It was a special night. And, of course, we get up there after work. Go eat at their local bandanas. We did that as well last year. We were worried maybe this is bad voodoo to come here. Nobody was even there. Like we said, it was snowing, but it was good. And then got over to the arena and, again, sat in our phenomenal seats. We talked to Vance from March to the Arch podcast. Talked to him before and after the game. Good to talk to him. Uh, it was just a good vibes overall leading in, into this game. And, no, I think it's, it's only appropriate to start with those two guards. I mean, they had 46 of our 71 points. Uh, you know, and even through, I mean, X shot 50%. I mean, Trent, seven of 10 and six of seven from three, just dynamite, fantastic. Uh, 
again, yeah, I my dog of the game, and you call and you said well, we're bound for a Butler Trent Brown game. And as that game kept going, we were like, this is it. I mean, but you know, huge threes. You know, whether it was an offensive rebound by a teammate to hit him, or just honestly, I I want to say Trent maybe took you know wasn't just pure catch and shoot. I want to say he maybe dribbled once and did something that wasn't as typical and drained a three. It was just again his value is is through the roof, and he was phenomenal in this. Uh, but no other than that, I mean, no one else really scored a whole lot. We'll dive into more of the box score. But uh, the fact that – let's pick apart Illinois State a little bit. No, we knew coming in, this was the revenge Dalton game. Marcus tweeted before the game about Dalton, you know, playing us. And, you know, uh, the fact that going into that, we're like, okay, what, Dalton's going Dalton's gonna to play well. And, you know, he didn't play great, but he still put up double figures. They had a lot of dudes that did. Uh, but no, they're an interesting team because they don't really have that star player. They don't have a guy that's going to just take over for them. And again, we maybe we maybe wouldn't have that either if X wasn't doing what he was doing. It just shows that you you desperately need that. But their style of play was just odd. Noah, they would fall to the ground every single chance they got. It was really annoying. They were beating us at the rim a lot at the start of the game. They played hard. Uh, but of course, you know Miles Foster who. Like I said, had a great Kentucky game. The team wasn't great against Drake, as we know, but he seems like the guy they have to go through, and he's just a paint beast. Uh, Manoa throughout, we were able to, you know, handle a lot of things for the most part. Uh, but again, that that frustrated us on their side of it. Uh, what else took out to you in this game? Like I said, your thoughts on how Illinois State played, and again, maybe they need that star. They dealt with some injuries. They had some injuries throughout that game. You can your thoughts on that, and then go ahead and dive into who else stuck out in this game. There were definitely a couple. A couple made some, you know, some giant plays as well. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, Miles Foster had a really nice game. I mean, seventeen points, nine rebounds, four assists. Um, he's a bigger, wider, wider shoulder guy, and he just he really can't shoot the ball outside. He did attempted one three in this one, but outside of that, I mean. They just don't have a lot of guys that – I mean, Burford was off. I thought it was a – at the beginning of the game, I think he got a back cut um, on Canard uh, because they went rather – and it ended up being very good for the, in the game. But I thought right away with right how it started, Burford getting that back cut, I thought you should have went Trent probably on him. But they decided to go the length of Canard and the length of A.J. Ferguson on Burford in this game, and it eventually showed. I mean, he was 3 of 10 shooting, 0 of 2 from 3, and really controlled him. He only had six points. He's a very good scorer, and that helps you win this game. But, yeah, I mean, they're not a very good. I, I said in the preview they struggle on offense, and they did in this one. I mean, they shot 3 of 18 from 3. Heck, they were 9 of 15 from the free throw line. So, not a good shooting team. And, but like I said, if you catch, catch them on the right night and they do hit a couple threes they're they can be a dangerous team. But yeah, like you said, Lee did get banged up in this one, did not see a lot of Jordan Davis, but on our side and then they, they dominate us in the paint. They scored 42 point points in the paint compared to our 24. So um, that's really kind of, I think he was asked about it today or, or yesterday by Bucky Dent that that's kind of way this team is kind of being built is you want to guard the three-point line as best as we can and we did that and make them take that tough twos and that's where they lived in the paint and they got their twos but um, we hit threes in this game so we 
kind of were trading three twos for threes in this one. But yeah, I mean, didn't see a lot outside of those two guards. We really started this podcast talking about didn't see a lot of other guards. I mean, Trey Miller, one minute. I mean, still don't understand where that is coming from, him not getting opportunities. Jovan Stulich, only seven minutes in this one, 0 for 1 from 3. Um, it was actually a good look this time. Wasn't really forced, didn't, just didn't knock it down. He's still struggling to shoot the basketball. And other than that, it was it was the wing play of Kennard Davis. He only got 11 minutes in this one, had a good take to the rim and finished, had two points. Um, and an assist and a steal in this one. Then AJ still playing starter minutes off the bench, which I don't mind. I mean, we ended up with 19, po- 19 bench points in this one um, with AJ scoring six. Did have three rebounds, two assists, and he had a big steal to finish off the game in this one. Then Jared off the bench as well, nine points, three rebounds, three blocks, had a big block, and he was um, showing his jersey, flexing his jersey, showing the Southern Illinois. but. Yeah, I mean, the, you could say starter-wise, the other guys, I mean, Clarence didn't have his best game. Still two points. He had seven rebounds, should have had about um, ten of those. Had a little bit of foul trouble. Um, then Troy D'Amico still shooting bad threes. Um, he got in foul trouble as well. Did have five, five assists and four rebounds, but only two points from him. He's still, I mean, he's taking bad shots, so. I think the one good look he had um, was a three, but he missed it. But the other two three attempts were bad shots. Just too early in the shot clock. That's what him and Jovan's doing way too much. Too early in the shot clock. Get it back to X, and let's get something going. Then we can find a better shot. But um, other than that, I didn't touch on Scotty Abube. Um, He only played five minutes, but in those five minutes, four points. Um, did, uh, Did miss a... Didn't did miss a alley oop attempt. He uh, couldn't finish that from X. Um, but yeah, the main guy we talk about every podcast is Xavier Johnson. Twenty six points, nine assists, five rebounds. Did have four turnovers, but we live with that. Then he had another steal. Um, if Scotty would have finished off his alley oop, or Clarence was one of three, he missed an easy layup. X set him up on um, X. Could have had a double double in this one with twenty six points and ten assists. Nine assists is just ridiculous. Um, you know, I don't. I could be wrong, but I don't. I think it would it would have stuck out more. We know he still leads the the uh, the league in assists. That I don't think he's had a double double in that regard yet this year. Could be wrong, and there's been tons of different ops. If not, it's maybe happened once. I just think about you know how many points we had to score against James Madison when he had 38, and if he had you know enough assists in that. Not thinking so, but there's maybe another time, but. I mean, we'll we'll get to just small tidbits from the presser that that they're starting to do now. Finally, that was yesterday, and Ryan Peden was asked from Harry about X and just raved about him constantly. So, um, you know, he's well known, and he uh, Peden even said that he's not getting the national recognition. He still doesn't think so. I mean, like I said, I've listened to stuff, and X is getting talked about. Uh, he needs to obviously keep it up and show it's that he is like possibly and could win player of the year. And then he'll easily be talked about even more. That's over time, but he was still great. You mentioned a lot there. Um, yeah. Some of the four shots, you don't, even when, you know, if we're having non X offense, it can't be four shots. I mean, that's clear. You know, we, we had some movement in this game that led to certain, you know, good offensive scoring. I just recall, you know, Clarence for sure struggle. They were, 
taking him out, bringing him back in. As soon as they brought him back in, it was a weird time, and he allowed another offensive rebound. He allowed – wasn't just him. He allowed a, most of these, but um, what's-his-name got – uh, like six offensive rebounds. Foster got like six offensive rebounds in this game. So again, Clarence is prone to struggle more against guys his size that are maybe stronger and thicker. Austin P. Big, Miles Foster, and then he'll be great against the string bean seven footers. I mean, it, it's weird. And you know, he again, and we talked endlessly. It's like he's so talented, and he's been such a good rebounder. Besides, you know, he's he, his worst rebounding is off free throws. You know, defensive free throws, when we have four guys in there to their two, he still allows them. And there was even one where Miles almost got, but it thankfully went out of bounds. It was just the one thing with Clarence that seems true and everyone knows it is just mentally sometimes he's he's not fully as into it and knows what he has to do a lot of the time. But when he does grab rebounds, it's like he's got Velcro for hands. I mean, he grabs it and it's there. And I mentioned the offense just because there was one moment where we had good – spacing and good passing and then it led to Clarence with his patented spin move and he got a a small floater at the rim that was really nice so but he definitely struggled you mentioned Scotty barely playing I mean when Scotty comes out this was a game where and rightfully so that he was you know him and Kennard with this you know barely playing as much and both scoring combined six that were valuable points uh they were both frustrated and you know you can send you can obviously know that with like Kennard as a freshman knowing that he's been starting a lot he knows AJ's back fighting for the minutes but we know Scotty was frustrated as well. And it does seem like as Jarrett's tried to talk to him, uh, wasn't all the way getting there with him in terms of him listening to him, but he'll listen to, to uh, Cyrus though. Um, and we were just went back and looked, digged up what Cyrus was as a player. You're just remembering how old he was and how long ago it was. And we know him and Scotty have worked so hard with each other and he's prepared Scotty so well that he was actually listening to Cyrus a lot. So we're really thankful that he's there to so can calm down Scotty. But Scotty was of course, active on the bench as usual, uh, which was great. You mentioned Jarrett. He had a huge corner three, which he had a mismatch, Noah, and we were like, go down and post. And it seemed like every time we point something out like that, something on the opposite happens. And he hit the three that X found him on. Uh, he had that block at the end on Dalton or somebody that, as you said, he was he was flaunting his jersey, which was really cool and funny because he did it for like an extended period of time. But that was a clutch play. Um and even like the runs throughout this game, I mean, we fed right into what they wanted to do, which was letting them get all those paint points. You said it, the mismatch was crazy in terms of how many they had to us, but they didn't make a three until the second half with 914 left. That was Kendall Lewis. And then over the course, uh, of course, him, if you would have had those odds of him making the first three for them, I mean, you would have won some money. Uh, but Malachi Poindexter slopped in a couple threes and at the end of the game too. So they were fighting with us, but it was the start of the second half that X had two big threes that we actually, uh, you know, developed this lead. I think it was the 17 to seven run we went on. So we kind of broke away from them and they, again, they fought back at times for sure, but we always had an answer for them. And it was all of these plays, which speaking of the three point line, uh, we are now second in the nation in three point percentage defense, according to Kim Palm, holding teams to 25.8%. That is via Luke Martin. So, again, continuous great things that we do. And we talked about let's sacrifice defense or offense. Well, now our offense is way better than it was, and our defense is equally the same. So that's a great recipe, and obviously it's showing in the record column and how this team plays quickly. In the 10 games this season, 10 games this season now that Clarence has had at least six rebounds or more. When he does that, we are 9-1 and one in those 10 games. He's only, he only reached that mark four times last season, and he's done it in three straight – And he, but he has yet to done it in three straight games 
this year, but we know he doesn't. And again, that shows the value and he still finds a way to impact even when he is struggling. So, uh, Noah, your final thoughts on this game and what you, uh, and again, we needed this one so bad. We knew we didn't need to drop this game because on the trajectory that we're on, we'll talk about there's, you know, prob- new probabilities out from Matt Hackman and what this team could do if they just take care of business that starts with the team. We'll re- we'll preview here at the end, the beacons, taking care of business against those kind of teams. And that's, that's inevitably what we thought about with Illinois state. And we got the job done. Your final thoughts. Yeah. It's like I said earlier, it's we're waiting on this team to win a true road game and they started that and continue their win streak. So just a big time, big time win. And they got to continue this, continue just the way they're playing because they go back on the road tomorrow night so if they continue their win streak and just not to look overlook their opponent for tomorrow night, but there's obviously uh, a a big game on Saturday at, Saturday night at home, so they can continue get their win streak and continue to look better and better because this team just continues to get better and um, they still got a quite quite some, some few players that can still play better and this team is continuing to show that their ceiling is at a all-time high right now and they can do a lot of things we haven't seen do a lot of things we haven't seen in a long time so waiting for it to happen and just like you said you mentioned with the offense is the offense has been a lot better and it's getting there and I just remember Luke Martin tweeted about um, how he feels about people talking about coach shirts and his office yet don't give him credit for his defense and he said I feel the same this year with coach Mullins when T People talk about his defense and not his offense. SIU is 91st in the nation in offensive efficiency at 109.7. That's the highest rating since 2007. We all know what we did that year. It's just crazy the last two years to think we're doing things that we haven't done in that long. And it's kind of, it's not shocking, but when you lose the players that you do from last year, you don't really expect this. And again, it's the it's the growth of AJ. It's the you bring in Jarrett finally along who scores the basket. It's Scotty being healthy and putting up numbers. It's Trent's best season of his career. And it's of course X playing at an all-time high. It's like those are the things that some of it you can't we didn't really predict the start of the season. It's and it's mainly on X's part. You know, the others were I think a little bit more realistic. And this was realistic. Again, it just shows the work that he's put in. And off the injury, again, we'll keep talking about how just incredible it is. And um yeah, I mean, ranking in the top 100 and a lot of different things. But, again, we're doing stuff we haven't done. We're, we were tired of scoring in the low 60s all year. Now we're scoring what we are, and it just feels good. And it needs to it needs to continue, especially in this game when you shoot, what was it, 53% overall. And let's see, 53% from the field and 52 from three in that game. That helps a, a lot. And you do that stuff on the road. That's pretty incredible. Um, and, of course, we're making our free throws, too, the last two games two Valley games were 33 of 35 from the line. So again, that's Clarence not shooting as much of it. That's Scotty not, and it's our guards taking care of business. So a great win on the road. Yes. And Marcus was the, I think we said that the, uh, the good luck charm in that game, a lot of different things. It was just a really fun game to go to. We'll be looking forward to going to a couple more Valley games throughout the year. It is always fun. So three and one in league play. Noah, let's dive into what other Valley teams did on that day and then we'll go ahead and just quickly talk about the other games that are going on tomorrow and then we'll dive into the probabilities and some other things around the league yeah had some good matchups uh saturday um during the day following along on our trip up there um murray state 
on the road at Evansville. Evansville still without Hummer Cows. He appeared to be in a boot and listening to uh, Coach Raglan that he's day to day. So, I mean, if you're in a boot, you're going to be, you're more than day to day, in my opinion. He said he could go maybe t- tomorrow night, but I don't know. I just don't expect him to play for maybe a week or so. Um, but Murray State continues their, their hot, hot play 81 59 win over at Evansville, led, led by Rob Perry with 17. Um, Brian Moore, 15, Jacoby Wood, 14, Quincy Anderson did have 10. Um, so Evansville was led by Strawbridge, 12 points, and Bove had 12 points. So that's basically – Evansville looks like almost the team they had last year, Strawbridge and uh, Bove leading the way for them, and that's not a good – that's not a good enough one-two punch. They have other guys on that team that can step up. Then Missouri State went up to Bradley, got – Got blasted 86-60. Connor Hickman, another 20-point game. 25 points for him. I mean, this uh, him him back has just showed exactly what Bradley can be, and he's stepping up. Uh, Cesar Edwards with back-to-back great games. He got inserted in the starting lineup, 17 points, 7 rebounds. So um, he's showing what um, I thought he could be for this team coming in. It's just it, it took him a while to get going, and here he has. He's found his stretch once conference play, but still not enough. I mean, their guards are just playing absolutely awful right now. I mean, Chance Moore had six points, one of four shooting. Austin Mason, four points, two of 11 shooting. Then Lee was 0 for 6, um, did have one point from the line. So their guards are just not enough. Clay played decently well, but – can't, you got you got to have good enough guard play to go up to a place like Bradley and win. Then the final game of that night, Falpo on the road at UIC. This was a tight game back and forth, a lot of lead changes, but in the end, the Flames protect home court, 70 to 64. Isaiah Rivera, 24 points in that one to lead the way. Um, big time outcome. Scoball 13. Then Valpo, um, they got their leading scorer back, Isaiah Stafford. Um, Powell said he wasn't sure he would play, but um, he played off the bench, eight of twenty shooting, did have nineteen points, but they have a lot of young guys in that starting lineup. We'll talk about in a little bit. Um, then on Sunday, the two big matchups: Belmont blows out Drake, eighty-seven sixty-five. That just shows you it's the Valley, and going to different places. I mean, we saw what Belmont looked like at our place, but then at home, that's just a tough place to win. Malik Dia dominated 32 points. They were without Jacoby Gillespie. Anton Wright led the way 14 points. Tucker DeVries, 4 of 10 shooting, had 13, just struggling right now. Then Indiana State goes on the road, beats UNI in the McLeod Skinner. We talked about if they go on the road and beat UNI, we can talk about they're going to run away with this thing. Well, 24 points from Jason Kent. He is playing at another level. This is the guy me and Nick's been waiting for this is the he has athletic ability we kept waiting for him to do this well he's broke out this year 24 points 13 rebounds just unreal performance by him on the road um then looking ahead tomorrow night jam-packed games illinois state at belmont belmont favored by seven in that one evansville on the road at bradley bradley 11 and a half point favorites indiana state at drake is actually a pick em, so that shows you even going on the road at drake indiana state still um, probably would be favored by at least three points on a neutral site uic at uni seven and a half point favorites by the panthers then murray state at missouri state four point favorites for missouri state so 
Murray State, Missouri State should be a really good one to watch. And obviously, um, not sure why it's not on national te- television, but Indiana State at Drake is obviously the game of the night. No doubt. And I thought it was, to be honest. We know Drake's next game against us on Saturday is on national TV. But um, honestly, just or those Saturday games that you're right, if Hummer Cross isn't playing, Evansville is going to struggle. He's that good. Murray just dominated them on the road. They were calling that their second home. They were talking about something else. Obviously, we know they played there in their conference tournament, the OVC. Uh, I thought Missouri State Bradley was going to be a little bit more competitive. Of course, it was. And, yeah, they're hitting their stride now. Hickman playing at a all-first-team level. Uh, and then thought Valpo was going to get that win on the road. UIC has continued to struggle, but they found a way in that one, led by Rivera. And then the Sunday games were both blowouts, and it was sad because they were both great games. I watched most of uh, – Belmont and Drake, actually, I think that was on ESPN, too, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and they just blew him out from the get-go. It was kind of weird. And just some tidbits that Casey said about his um, – because I didn't really recognize you texting me and just said how, you know, Gillespie's not playing. And honestly, I was, like, tuning in and out of some other things, but I watched a little bit, and I didn't even honestly notice that, to be honest, because they were beating him by – you know, beating him so bad. Uh, Casey said that – uh, Gillespie had surgery on Friday on his wrist or his hand and doesn't have a timetable for him to return. He said he will return, but I'm not thinking probably till clearly next month and even before that. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye out for that, see how they tread water without him. Davidson played well. It's it's just not, you know, I don't think Drake's just the same team. I mean, they don't go on the road and get smacked like that. It, it's crazy. It shows how good of a home team Belmont is, though. And Casey also said that, he didn't have Dia in the starting lineup for a while because he didn't think that he was there on both ends yet. And now that he's fully said, okay, well, I, we fully realize what he's been and he's shown it on both ends. And of course, you know, he's playing at an all, at a, he's a newcomer of the week for a reason. He's just playing phenomenal. So, and then the other game, yeah, I mean, you're really good if you go in the cloud center and even in an improved, even last year, it was hard to beat you and I at home, let alone beat them by 11. It was a lot worse than that. And if you go do that, beat a Jacobson led team on the road like that, you're, you're legit. And just knowing their resume so far, they smoked us at home. We're a really good team. They smoked Bradley on the road and then they, and then they smoked you and I on the road. We'll see what they do to Drake in that pick that you said here coming up. If they run through this and that's their resume, they also handled – I say handled Evansville at home. Evansville played them closer than than the other games were, like you said. So it was – it's been crazy. Their resume is great. If they win at Drake, they're not – I swear I think they can go 20-0. They'll lose one or here or there. I have one in mind that they might, as we all know, but uh, they're just phenomenal. So looking forward to some really good games tomorrow, as you said, uh, some evenly matched ones as well. Uh, so Noah – Matt Hackman, as we know, works really hard and a lot of probabilities for a lot of different, uh, you know, conferences. And we're always looking, obviously, towards ours. Go ahead and dive into those. We like where we sit on those. And clearly, we'll we'll have probability updates throughout the rest of the season. Then I'll have some more tidbit things here with some former dogs here shortly. Yeah, as of today, uh, the recent 100,000 simulations that he does is obviously shows 82% of the simulations have Indiana state winning the league. That's not surprising. 8% goes to Drake, 6% to SIU two for Bradley, 1% uh, to Belmont. But if you go over and look at that two, two slot, it has SIU 30%. um, Then Drake at 29%, Bradley at 14%. So if it ended up today, um, 
we would probably get the two seed, even though we're tied with 24 at the three seed, tied at 16 and tied at fifth. But if you look at the average, I guess, of the simulations, they would be the two seed at because their average is 3.35. Ours is 3.45. So um, we're right there in the thick of things where really nobody thought we would be. Um, but this team is showing it and the continue to improve. So, I mean, yeah, that's right where we want to be. We have a 0% chance at 10th, 11th, and 12th, 1% at night. So it looks like Logos, this has us finishing, could be ninth in all simulations. Yeah, I would take a catastrophe, as we know, in that regard, and anything's possible in the Valley. But our trajectory right now is looking really good. Uh, that's what we said. Our expectation now for the team that we are is, you know, the fact that, you know, we want to not play on Thursday. And we said at the start of the year, if we play on Thursday, it's fine. We understand it. But now we're at an expectation where let's not. And I think that's a, that's a rightful thing to do. And we're in our tough stretch of the season here coming up. And we know Indiana State, 82% is honestly insane. It just shows they're through one of their toughest stretches of the season now. And it might be easier for them the rest of the way. So, like where we stand on that for sure. We'll see if that remains. Some quick things here. Uh, Amarion Ellis is out at Bradley. We, you know, he had sporadic playing time. We know Trey Pettigrew was out at the start of the season. Amarion Ellis is out, so that takes a little bit more depth out of that. So it's interesting, though. They'll be fine without those guys, but it just shows Bradley has some weird stuff going on with some things over time. Uh, no, Marcus and Lance, as we know, played the other night. We talked about how Marcus was at our game and. You know, of course, it, it was really special watching those guys both play well. And there was a there was a story about Lance that was posted from the Big Ten Network here recently about the story of him on his way to Purdue and the story of what he was battling with his dad and the story of that in and of itself, you know, around when his dad was struggling. And, uh, you know, even when he passed that he said Lance at Purdue, uh, you know, showed up to his funeral, which was in, which is incredible. And we know Painter. No matter what people think about him from an SIU perspective and, um, you know, the fact that he can preach that kind of culture and familyness there. And he was, Lance wasn't even there long and they're doing, and you know, generous things like that. And, you know, his dad was excited whenever he committed to Purdue and everything. And we know Lance played with a chip and he's fit right into the number one team in the country. Purdue beat Illinois the other night. Marcus and Lance were guarding each other. He's picking them up three quarters court. Uh, it was just awesome, and they they barely beat him. Illinois was outmatched throughout most of that game. Edie was in foul trouble. Lance had 17, and Marcus had 26. Like I said, guarding each other. Marcus didn't come out of the game. That actually sounds familiar. They're actually treating him exactly like he was here, Noah. So phenomenal things, and we'll talk more about these two as time goes on. I had some more thoughts, but we'll save it for another day. Your thoughts on that, Noah, quickly, and then go ahead and dive into the beacons of Alpo. Yeah, that's just an incredible story, and shout-out to – that Purdue team and a guy that hadn't even played a game, like you said, for them and them showing up to a tough time like that and just shows you um, what kind of, what kind of place Painter and his staff are doing up there at Purdue. It's just amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously jumping into the Valpo beacons. I mean, we're looking for our fourth straight Valley win. Obviously they fired Matt Lottich last um the 31st of March, I think it was the last day of March and obviously getting a big name in Roger Powell. Um, obviously everyone knows who he is and in his first season, he's went really young and uh, I like what he's doing there with a lot of, obviously a, a lot of athleticism and going young, 
But um, looking at their team, obviously, they got he started with a couple transfers and guys like uh, Ola Ajaboy, a Central Michigan uh, transfer, uh, is one of their forwards at 6'7". Got Murray State transfer, a guy we thought we might look at, and Jackson Edwards at 6'5". Um, some other transfers. Um, got a Juco guy that I really wanted, Isaiah Stafford from John A. Logan. Uh, then Jerome Palm stuck around, Connor Barrett. Then otherwise, he got some freshmen that are just really good. And Jahari Williamson, Cooper Schweiger, that was under-recruited, Shamar Weatherspoon, just guys that are really good and really talented um, basketball team. But Stafford's been hurt. They've been struggling really bad. On the offensive end, they're I think dead last in the conf or dead last in the country um, in offensive efficiency. So on the defensive end, they've done a decent job at creating turnovers with their athleticism and stuff. They're led by Isaiah Stafford with 16 points a game. Um, so just a tough matchup on the road. I always feel like no matter what, no how, no matter how bad they are that's just a tough place to play for us for some reason even in our wins it's low scoring and just ugly basketball and we just need big time plays to come up through it if i was going to go for a dog at a game um i think i'm gonna go with jared hensley in this one coming off the bench when still need that spark plug off the bench um and starting to play uh, we saw forgot to mention this um, when we were talking about the recap, we got to see him at the four. I think you touched on it. He hit a three, but he was playing that four spot at that time. Um, I'd like to see a little about that. I think this is a game where you could touch on the different rotations, maybe a little bit of adjustment here and there and see some different guys, but hopefully we take an advantage of it. I think if we were put a spread on of it, I, the other spreads of the Valley games, when I went over and were on there, I didn't see ours. Uh, I think we were going to say what about 10 and a half if we were, and it is 10 and a half. So that's another spread we hit on. So big time <laughs> yeah. for us. I mean, we might as well call us Vegas, but like I said, it's another opportunity. Can't wait to watch it. Yeah, we, it was like, it, this, there's no doubt it was going to be double digits and I wouldn't have gone too much further, especially on the road. Like 10 was appropriate and we do hit it on it again. They're interesting. I mean, we're going to see Isaiah Stafford and what we missed out on being in our backyard with, you know, Johnny Logan. And they had just a bunch of guys we're familiar with. I like Diavaro's game. He's a big time assist man. We just need to make it hard on him to make sure he doesn't get assists, which means no, you know, keep our defense at a high level, make sure they don't score a lot. And you're right. And years past playing here, it's always been interesting and different. We know, you know, we know what Ben Cricky's doing in the Big Ten for Iowa. He's doing great things. Kobe King was a talented veteran. It's like, when they have those guys, it's a struggle. We need to make it to where against these young players that it's not a struggle at their place. And we know this, again, that's a it's a wild place to play. And Rodgers an awesome coach. He's going to turn that thing around. You're right. I like their young players too. I mean, Schweiger is going to be an all-freshman member. He's playing really well. I mean, when uh, on his presser, that's one thing that Roger was talking about a lot was he was, he was being honest in the fact that what they've struggled with in their youth and – we know he was hired late and he's talked about that. It's like, man, I was dealt a bad hand with, you know, making this team what it is. And he's done, he, he's done a good job in the sense of in the short time, finding players he can groom and become good players over time and hitting on Isaiah Stafford in the portal and stuff like that. And, you know, it's only up from here. It's going to be one of those tough first seasons, but he'll be, he'll be, he'll have Valpo moving in the right direction for a while. They're going to have facility changes. He's just on the up and up with a lot of different things there. So, 
it won't happen this year in terms of what they're doing, but in the future we can count on it. And obviously this is a non-slip up game for us. If I were to pick a dog of the game too, I think I was initially going with AJ just because I've just loved what I've seen. He had that steal at the end of last game, him and Jarrett, if we have starters coming off the bench, that just shows the depth and how good we are. And, you know, I just, again, I love what AJ's doing. I'll, I'll say AJ gets with about 15 points in this game. It's a mix of a bold prediction, but it's possible. We know they have Jackson Edwards and stuff. They're really, they're really talented, but of course we need to take care of business, cover this spread. And it'll be a fun one to watch at seven o'clock tomorrow amongst the other Valley games. But again, don't slip up and make it a game where clearly, you know, you need to take care of business and, Leave no doubt. We'll just put it that way. So it's exciting. It's a big one because of the slate we have coming on deck. It's exciting. Dogs looking to be four and one. We'll watch it tomorrow night like everybody else. So for Nick Malone. No lurch. As always, see you guys on Thursday. Go dogs.